Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. today with Cheryl Miller and Dr. Shannon Deer about their efforts to help marginalized women turn their lives around. They have a new book coming out in August called Business Doing Good. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. We're excited to be here. Uh, how did you come across this idea to, to reach out to women who were either um, in poverty, in jail, addicted, involved in human trafficking? How did this idea come about? Cheryl? Uh, well, it originally came about because uh, I ran a housing program here in my community for 18 years. And uh, it was a very fairly successful housing program. But what it made it really take off is when we launched a social enterprise within that housing program. And the women who lived in that home actually ran that business, ran that social enterprise. And most of the women that we served were... Uh, they had been formerly incarcerated. They had been in the sex industry. Most of them had long-term issues of substance abuse. And so we just kind of had firsthand knowledge of working with women for 18 years doing these things. So, Shannon, let me bring you in here because that you would imagine, maybe this is stereotyping, that w- women with records like that wouldn't be trustworthy or good in charge of businesses. But it's quite the opposite. Sure, that certainly is the public perception sometimes. And I work in a business school, in a very traditional business school with traditional students. And so I did not have the exposure that Cheryl did to what we call women overcomers, women who have been incarcerated, experienced poverty, addiction, been engaged in the sex trade. But my research was on women who had exited the sex trade specifically. And I interviewed quite a few women, 60% of the women in my study came through Cheryl's organization. And I was blown away by how much they had the skills and attributes that were truly needed to be an entrepreneur and really defied public perception about what women can do in general, but specifically what women overcomers can do and are capable of. What skills? Sure. So entrepreneurs, there's a lot of different research and some of it's conflicting about what skills and attributes are needed for an entrepreneur. But the ones that overlapped for women overcomers with the skills that make good entrepreneurs were things like resilience. Women overcomers have overcome a lot. And just the fact that they've survived, many of them living on the streets for quite some time, being unhoused, they really have that resilience and tenacity that's needed to survive. And that's needed sometimes to run a business too. But they also have the autonomy, the drive, the need for self-achievement. Creativity and innovation were things that we found, again, that come from that ability to survive in challenging situations really applied to the entrepreneurship as well. Mm -hmm. Is there one... um... 
or two stories that really stand out in your mind, Cheryl, as you run this housing program and meet all of these women and see their success stories? Um, is there one that sticks out in your mind that you'd like to share? Well, there's actually there's actually quite a few. Um, you know, one of the things that Shannon mentioned about the women being resilient. The other thing is they're they're not risk averse. <laughs> you know, if you've if you've done crack cocaine or you know committed crimes, you risk obviously is not an issue for you. And so, so these women were willing to take risks in things that a lot of other people wouldn't. And the, one of the, the, the first, we did micro lending and capital investments to help women launch businesses. And uh, the first one was, uh, was called Stella Sassy Salsa. And she took, she applied for a small loan. It was $2,400. And with that loan, she launched her business selling salsa. And that was probably about eight or nine years ago, and she's still in business today. At the time, she was only nine months sober when we gave her that $2,400 loan. Then she mentored another young woman, and she applied for a $5,000 loan to launch a juice business, and uh, she was only eight months sober from a 15-year crack addiction when we gave her her loan. Uh, Both of the businesses are still in place. The, The second one, the the juice business, she actually started growing and uh, was approached to expand her uh, her business because she was just selling it in the uh, farmer's markets and by delivery. She was, was approached to uh, expand her business and into a food truck to be on the silos at the Magnolia Market with Chip and Joanna Gaines. And so she came back to us and said, would you make an investment in this business? And so she found us and three other investors. We all invested $10,000 for 5% of her business. She bought the food truck and she started, she was one of the first food trucks at Magnolia Magnolia Market. And uh, she actually sold her business last year. And when she sold her business, it was making half a million dollars a year in sales. Both of those women were never laid on a payment on their loan, and both of them paid their loans off early. Wow. Wow. A, to you, to make the gamble on women recently sober, to to give them money, and then to see them do something really remarkable with that money. Let me ask you this, and not to be a Debbie Downer here, but but Shannon, you know, um, is the push to, to, to put women in entrepreneurial roles there because companies aren't willing to hire them because of their records? It actually isn't. Historically, that has been a challenge, and it it is still to a degree a challenge. But one thing that Cheryl always says is that we never had a problem helping women find jobs. Now, sometimes those might not be the ideal jobs right out, um, but women can find jobs with criminal records um, as well. And so that's not always the issue. We've really seen companies step up lately because of the Second Chance Business Coalition, really companies committing to giving people who have a criminal record a fair chance in the job interview process. And companies are committed to that, especially with human capital shortages that we're experiencing right now and companies needing employees. They're they're hiring people with a record and really finding ways to do that. So we are doing a lot of work on that side too. And a lot of our book is about how companies can effectively hire women who have had, who have overcome challenging situations. Does it work for men too? It does. um, But our expertise really is with women. And so um, absolutely it works with men. And we've seen several companies that are piloting programs with men who have been formerly incarcerated too. And it's worked with them as well. Again, our area of expertise is women. And we see that 
women really have some unique skills. I've, I've listened to a couple of episodes of your podcast too, where you know, talk to moms about being entrepreneurs and there's some unique skills that women have that make them great entrepreneurs. And they haven't really been tapped in either. You know, there, there's still a lot of opportunities for women to grow in companies and for women to grow as entrepreneurs. So that's why we focus specifically on women in our work and in our book but certainly could work for men too. All right. Many more questions for Cheryl and Shannon when We're Momming Today continues right after this. This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. We're back on We're Momming today, talking to the co-authors of the new book, Business Doing Good. And Cheryl, you know, I was just so touched by the story you told about Stella Sassy Salsa, right? A woman recently recovered from a drug addiction just a few months, gets a $2,400 loan to grow her business. Eight, nine years later, she is still in business. Why do you think that is? Well, it gave a different direction for her. It gave a purpose. I mean, she had, she always had the skills that were, that she always had the skills in place to do the work. She just needed somebody to believe in her and say, hey, you know, you can translate those skills into another context. You weren't born to be this crack addict. You were born to do greater things. And so it was just that support and the encouragement. And, and there were times that she was afraid, you know, because, because it, it was different and, you know, in fact, she had one it, one problem one time she, she needed to be FDA approved and it just freaked her out and overwhelmed her. And I asked her, well, why are you so worried about this? She said, well, I just don't want to mess up and fail. And I was like, Stella, you've been failing your whole life. You, you'll be fine. <laughs> no you no offense, like, but. <laughs> she just kind of snapped and went, oh, you're, you're right. And sure enough, she did what she needed to do. And now she's FDA approved. And so I think it was just having somebody push them and believe in them. Was Stella a mom by any chance? A what? A mother. Yes. So, because that leads me to my next question. Do you find um, in differentiating among these women entrepreneurs that uh, perhaps the more successful ones are the ones who want to also be able to provide for their kids? Uh, I don't know if it makes them more successful, but it definitely is a huge motivator. Um, I've seen it over and over again where the women really when they start, you know, deciding to change their lives, they don't want that future for their children. I mean, I experienced the same thing. Thirty something years ago, I was a single mom, I was pregnant, and I was homeless. And I when I went into labor, I found out I was having twins instead of just one baby. And um, they were two and a half months premature. So I had two children born into the welfare system as a single mom, and they became a huge motivator for me to, to really get it together and to change my life. And I saw that with a lot of the other women that we worked with over the years. And, and that's the beauty of this process. That's the beauty of what we write about is it, not only does it give that woman an opportunity to change her life, but it uh, it does the same for her children. Both of my children went on to graduate from college. My, and then one of them actually graduated from the United States Air Force Academy. The other one went on to graduate school on full scholarship, got two graduate degrees. So, and, and so, so not now my children will never experience poverty. They've just started having children and their children won't be born into the welfare system. And so not only does it impact the women, it impacts their children and then future generations. Cheryl, I had no idea. 
I had no idea that you were a sing- single mom of four and homeless at one point. Well, I only had two at the time. I only had two at the time. But yes, I was a single mom with two babies. And, and then it was shortly after that I met my husband. And later on, we had the other two kids. So. Well, how did you pick yourself up? Like, tell me your story. Um, well, I just knew that something needed to change. And then people were engaged in my life. Other people around that were supporting me. And the way... And the way they encouraged me and supported me are the same principles that we write about in the book, you know, keeping the women autonomous, challenging them to do it themselves. And so, you know, for me, the person that helped me the most was my sister. And she said, I'll help you, but you have to go back to school. You'll never be able to provide support for your kids. And so she watched my kids while I went to college and while I worked part time. And I and and eventually I graduated from college and then I went back and and, you know, went applied for a graduate degree and got that as well. But it was because of the people around me, you know, helping with my kids, helping with transportation, encouraging me, not letting me give up. So I can't take all the credit for it, even though it was a long, hard journey. <laughs> I think you can take like 90% of the credit, though. But you raise, well, some, you raise good points. You do. I mean, it, it is very difficult to be a mother, a working mother, a, a mother without a support system. Um, and, and, and you did it. And, and is that how you found it? quantum circles consulting and training yeah we i had you know i ran that housing program for 18 years and i just had a feeling it was time to move on and i wanted to be able to share with other communities a model that we knew worked it came out of trial and error from you know implementing it also came out of personal experience of what i knew worked for me and was working for the women and so that's why that's why the i started my own business of quantum circles is because we and and eventually wrote this book because we want other communities to to look at this model seriously and see about how to transform lives of women and their children We've focused much of this conversation, or I have, on on addiction, women recovering from, um, you know, poverty, jail, drug, alcohol abuse. But the sex trade is a little bit different. And, and Shannon, what have you found there? Sure. I mean, much of the same. You know, it's it overlaps so much. Women who have been in the sex trade, oftentimes about 90 percent of the women in my study also struggled with substance abuse issues. Oh. And Um, 90% of them had also been incarcerated. So it really is such an overlap um, for many of the women that went through Cheryl's organization. Not all of them, of course, engaged in the sex trade, but um, that is pretty common. And so a lot of what we see is it really applies to all of them. It really is a survival mentality. And the women that I interviewed had been through some incredible challenges and they were real and raw and motivated to live a different life um, after having exited the sex trade. And so it really was seeing that resilience, you know, like the stories that Cheryl told. There are so many women who said, I knew that I could run a business because I had fallen flat on my face before. And I knew that I could figure it out going forward, partially because Cheryl told me I could. Um, And so that confidence really mattered for them. Now, a lot of the women, when they exited the sex trade initially, really lacked self-esteem, self-worth, self-efficacy. And that was where an organization that provided many services, an organization like Cheryl's that had a social enterprise where they could work almost immediately after exiting the sex trade and find what they were good at, find esteem in lawful employment, that that was really, really important for them to start to build that self-esteem and self-worth 
um, quickly. And as you heard from Cheryl, the women who started the businesses, the women who went out and, and worked, they did that quickly. It was a fast transformation because of the program that Cheryl set up that we talk about in the book. That was not true. I interviewed women from other organizations as well across our state, and that was not always true for them. The transformation was longer, but the way that Cheryl believed in them, gave them experiences to lead immediately within the organization, invested in them with money, time, and energy, those were all really important for their fast transformation and recovery. So these are success stories, but are there also the um, the the sad stories there that, you know, women might have gotten money and um, had a great idea and then it, it didn't work out? Do you have those stories too? Well, fortunately, no. Really? Um, <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. No, not, not, that, not that launched businesses, not that launched businesses, because we had just begun doing that. We'd probably been doing the micro lending and capital investments for about two or three years. And Hurricane Harvey rolled over our community and did devastating damage to, um, to our property and our program. And one of them was the social enterprise completely destroyed that building. So it was taken out and, and it, it has not reopened yet it's since rebuilding. So it was kind of stopped after about three years. So we only had four businesses that we launched and all of them were successful. Uh, we did see issues of relapse over the, I mean, over the 18 years, there was plenty of issues of relapse and uh, women, you know, making bad choices and going back to prison and that type of thing. And we even saw several people die in their addiction. Uh, but that's part of the reason why we, why we're so, I at least am so passionate about this is seeing the devastation of what can happen if, if we're not intervening and we're not providing a, a way out. In some mm-hmm. cases, in some cases, that leads the woman with into a, into a lifestyle that ends in death. And I just, I that just, I just don't want to be a part of anything that that isn't trying to address the solution. Is it almost like you're given this one chance to reinvent yourself? So, so here it is. Here's your loan. Here's your idea. Here's your support. Don't mess it up. Um, I no, I no. I think even if they had messed up, it would have still. It would have still been a learning curve for him, mm-hmm. um, and so you know, I'm. I, it, we, it would be really hard for me to kind of walk away from somebody um, unless they just were, you know, doing something. How much money day. have have uh, have you lent out to date? Well, we lent. Well, the first one was twenty four hundred. The second one was five thousand. Then ten thousand. Then twenty five thousand. And so. Um, so whatever that adds up to, and we we only had we only had the original amount of money we had to lend was thirty thousand dollars. We just kept re re reusing it. Are so you when they paid it back? You know, we re, re reused it. But let me ask you this: Why can't you get more money to lend out? You're obviously you know doing magic and helping so many families. What is there a way to um? I don't do that anymore. But what what, okay. we're, what we're hoping will happen is that people will listen to this and say, hey, I want to do that program. Let's put some money out there. Let's invest in these women and and really grow a lot of different places where, you know, there are there are funding pools. We called ours Freedom Capital Ventures. We would like to see hundreds of Freedom Capital Ventures across this nation lending money to women so that they can have these chances to change their the trajectory of their lives. Cheryl Miller, Dr. Shannon Deere, thank you so much for the time and thank you for what you're doing. Thank you. 
Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.